Well, in the last three months, we've lost three of the giants in sports. Muhammad Ali, Gordy Howe, and now Arnold Palmer. And I want to bring in Kenny Hand. You know him as the sports media giant in Houston for the last 40 years. Newspaper, radio, television. He also recently has been working with uh, the publication Texas Golf Media, a couple of magazines and websites and radio shows talking about golf. So I figured he'd be the perfect guy to talk about Arnold Palmer, the king. And Kenny, what did he mean to golf? Because I'm 45 years old, and I don't remember Arnold Palmer as a golfer. For those who don't remember him, what can you tell us about Arnold Palmer that they should know? He was the wind beneath golf's wings. He was bigger than a player, even though he was a great player, and he won seven majors, but he was probably golf's most important ambassador because he took the sport kicking and screaming into the 20th century. You know, golf was pretty laced up tight, if you will, for a long, long time. And men with tweed jackets and pipes and really not that welcoming to the middle class and lower class. And what Arnold Palmer represented represented when he came out of Western Pennsylvania as a young man uh, swashbuckling, strong, big hands. Dad was the greenskeeper at Latrobe Country Club. Uh, he just represented someone who you could relate to if you weren't into golf, if you weren't into sports. You started paying attention to Arnold Palmer because it, it, it's almost as though he represented every man. The guy that couldn't get in the country club because he didn't have enough money or he wasn't good enough. Um and he took the sport by storm, certainly, as a player. Um, from 1958 to 64, there probably wasn't anybody, even Jack Nicholas would say there probably wasn't anybody that was better at golf in those six years. But Arnold was much more than just a golfer. He cared about people, and he cared about other things than himself. He was the true American, if you will. He was someone that the country could be proud of. And he really created everything that golf has now. He, in the late 50s, when he got together with Mark McCormick from IMG, the uh, agency, yes, Arnold made a lot of money out of endorsements initially from that, but he took golf, which was really not that much of a televised sport, black and white uh, TVs back then, obviously, and he really created a lot of great marketing opportunities for golf in general, for the PGA Tour, uh, livened up everything. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to have fun. It's okay to talk to people. It's okay to be friendly to the gallery. It's okay to reach out. And Arnold's thinking was people are paying money to watch me play. Uh, I can't sign autographs. I can't smile and be friendly and call people by their first name. It's, it's a lost art, but it's something we could all learn from. Yeah, a couple of things struck me as I was hearing the tributes. First of all, he would make a handwritten note to every professional golfer after they won every tournament. Arnold Palmer would would write a note to them congratulating them and sign the note himself, which is an amazing story. And then also you talk about Arnold Palmer as the player, great player, but he may not have been the greatest player in golf, but Kenny 
most people would say he was the most important player in golf. There is no question about that. He was the most beloved, and even Jack Nicklaus, uh, who was a better player and won more majors, Arnold won seven. But, but look, he wasn't the best player in the history of golf. He was one of the best, uh, but he was so much more than that. And uh, he was so much... Uh, of an ambassador for the game, for the country, for sports in general. And, yes, he was the most important ambassador that the sport has ever had. And we don't, we don't have the PGA Tour as it is today without Arnold cutting down the trees and creating the path for all of that money. We don't have the Champions Tour, which started in 1980, uh, for the senior guys over 50, if not for Arnold Palmer trying to – scrape up some sponsors and get the TV contracts in line and all those kinds of things. It's interesting that he retired competitively right here in Houston, actually at Augusta Pines in spring uh, in 2006, October 14th, just almost 10 years ago to the day. And it was in the, that was called the Administaff small business classic. Now it's the insperity and he was 77 and retired. He just, it was so, uh, that was our first year of doing Houston links, uh, golf magazine. We do DFW links as well. And that was the first year that Kevin Newberry and I had, uh, put out Houston links. And we were both just in awe of the fact that Arnold Palmer retires professionally, competitively, in Houston at that tournament. And he just is back hurt and he was getting older and he, um, it, it just, it was so poignant at the time to see everybody watch him right up in the sunset as a competitive player. And, and yet, you know, four years ago, uh, Paul Servati, uh, Paul Servati and Jay Minx and the people at Insperity put together this deal called the, um, the three M greats of golf challenge. It actually started before, before then it back it's I think it's like six years old now that they've had that thing. But in 2012, Arnold teamed up with Gary player and Jack Nicholas. They play 18 holes. Uh, it's a, you know, it's an exhibition thing against, uh, some of the other older, uh, golfers, uh, that came in for that. They played after the champions event ended on that Saturday and they won the tournament. And here's Arnold at 83 years old. So, he is the king for a lot of reasons. He didn't have the sweetest golf swing. Everybody would agree with that. It was kind of an awkward-looking uh, golf swing, but it was his own. Uh, he had uh, a kind of a putting stroke where he, he kind of jabbed at it. And yet, look at the results. He made everything his own. He made his personality his own, his swing his own. Um, he never laid up, it seemed like, when he played, and he never laid up in life. Boy, Kenny, Sunday was a really sad day and sort of a, a day of saying goodbyes in sports altogether with, with, of course, Arnold Palmer and then Vince Scully saying goodbye to the Dodgers fans. But I want to go to one other thing that happened on Sunday, and Tom Hanks said in a league of their own, there's no crying in baseball. Well, man... That was never more untrue than Sunday when I watched the Marlins press conference after the Jose Fernandez tragic accident. And Kenny, as an Astros lifer, it reminded me so much of three different guys that put on an Astros uniform. It was kind of like the combination of Daryl Kyle's sudden and unexpected passing 
and then the extraordinary talent that we lost in J.R. Richard with his stroke, and then the effervescence and the belovedness that everybody had for Jose Lima, what a personality he was for Astros fans. All those guys really came to mind to me on Sunday morning. Kenny, what about you? Well, I mean, that's a very good point. Fortunately, J.R. Richards survived the stroke, and he is still alive and uh, and doing actually pretty well, considering that, that stroke, because uh, I was covering the Astros at the time, and uh, there was a lot of feeling back in 1980 uh, that was right after he had pitched in the All-Star game in L.A. and threw, he was clocked at 101 miles an hour in the All-Star game, and then he had his stroke right after that and never pitched again in the big leagues. He's lucky that he is alive. I've seen him, and Jr.'s doing pretty well, all things considered. But, yeah, Daryl Kyle was in his prime when he died. Uh, he had that beautiful 12-6 to curveball just prototypical of what you'd want in a curveball and just a great person. Uh, then, of course, Don Wilson was, I guess, one of the first Astros to die along with Jim Umbright back in the um, in the 60s. And so there have been those tragedies. Uh, Jose Lima was just filled with joy, and he was just a, a nonstop chatterbox worth of fun in the clubhouse. And you hate losing guys like that. You know, we lost Joaquin Andahar, I think, earlier this year. And Joaquin had a very similar personality to Jose Lima. And, you know, you look at Arnold Palmer, he died at 87. So Arnold had a long, productive life. I mean, everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Arnold Palmer lived. And all those guys you're talking, I mean, Jose Lima lived, even it was a short period of time. So it's really all about what you can squeeze in productively in your life. You don't have to be Arnold Palmer. Rocco Mediate once told Arnold Palmer when he asked Rocco why Rocco hadn't won very much on the tour. And Rocco said, I'm not as good as you are. (laughs) And Arnold said, you don't have to be as good as I am to win on the tour. And Rocco said, well, it would help. (laughs) And so, you know, you just have to try to do your best that you can in whatever you're doing. I think Arnold did that. He was a good example for everyone to follow and try to help people. And we need to remember this in the uh, political climate that we're in, that just because you disagree with somebody's political opinion or you disagree with them on a subject, it can't, doesn't mean you can't be friends. It doesn't mean they can't help you or you can't help them. I mean, does anybody really know whether Arnold was a Republican or Democrat? I don't. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think we need to get back to some of the principles that came directly from Arnold and Western Pennsylvania upbringing, which is just a hard work. Keep your nose to the grindstone. Try to help others and be sweet. Be a sweet person. Yeah. And I, and I didn't want to put JR in the grave. We, we did talk to him on the show uh, within the last couple of years, and, and he was fantastic and he's doing OK. But, you know, just it, I thought of JR just because it was just that kind of talent. And Kenny, it just I think of with baseball, how many guys have we lost with this much talent? This guy had a two five eight lifetime ERA and he was twenty four years old. He'd been in the he'd been in baseball for four years. There there's nobody that I you can really relate to this. I, I don't I can't think of anybody this young with this much ahead of him as we saw with Jose Fernandez. Yes, and that was so sad uh to see Jose Fernandez uh, die in a boating. You know, you just look at something like that and you go, why did that have to happen that late at night? Uh, you just wish in those cases you could turn back the clock and, you know, keep somebody safe and out of a boat or whatever it is. But things happen in life that are inexplicable sometimes. 
And that was true with J.R. Richard. I mean, he was an otherwise healthy-looking guy until the 1980 season. And then early in that year, early in the 1980 season, well, he complained of a tired arm and, and some weaknesses and numbness. And so it didn't come as a complete shock, I would say, uh, but it was you know when he when he did go down because he was just at the uh, he was at the Astrodome on the side just throwing pitches after the All Star game in between the All Star break and the start of the uh, of the second half of the 1980 season and that's when it happened and he just collapsed and um, uh, it was a blood clot and he's lucky to be alive but I will say this uh, in all the years <laughs> in all the years I've seen sports uh there was no one more intimidating than jr and nolan ryan and nolan was intimidating in his own right just ask robin ventura uh you know it's not a good idea to come out and try to start a fight with nolan ryan it was never a good idea to come out and start a fight with jr richard and very few people did because he was six eight and about 260 and we're talking about a a 92 mile an hour slider. <laughs> so to go with a 99, 100, 101 mile fastball, uh, it was just you know when J.R. Richard first came up in the minor leagues, everybody wondered if it he'd make it because of his control. It was so wild, and he would hit backstops on the fly in the minor leagues, and you know you just wonder if you can ever harness potential and and their arsenal like that because he threw hard, but he just never knew where it was going. And then when he got to the Astros and refined the art of pitching, that's one of the saddest things you'll ever see because he would definitely be in the Hall of Fame had he stayed healthy. Well, let's finish up with Arnold a little bit. And, you know, his legacy is going to live on. The hospital and his name that he had so much to do with and, and helping raise money for that and all of those different things. Tell people where they can read a little bit more about all of this in your publication. It's Houston Links Golf Magazine, and you can find that anywhere through the greater Houston area. We also have the DFW links up there. The website is www.mytextxgolf.com. So mytextgolf.com. And you can go to our website and see all our archived issues going back to 2005 and um, it's been a labor of love and over the years and and I have to say Robert that on a personal note with Arnold I and mean, when I was at the Houston Post as a columnist in uh, 1987 I went to the Masters covered the Masters for the first time and I I'd probably played 10 rounds of golf in my life. I wasn't really a golfer, didn't really care that much about golf. I was more interested in football, basketball, baseball, the typical stuff. Uh, played tennis in high school, but I wasn't, I, I just really didn't like golf that much, but wasn't exposed to it that much. Well, they sent me to Augusta and I covered the masters for the first time as a columnist. And it's the first time I ever met Arnold Palmer. And just as hundreds, probably of thousands of people have said over the last 50 years, when I get introduced to Arnold, the first thing he says is, well, hello there, Kenny. But it was just the warmth and the feeling of making you important. And he did that with everybody he met. And he asked me what I did. And I said, well, I'm a columnist at the Houston Post. I don't – that's a first golf – you know, I've covered tournaments in Houston before, but this is the first time here. And he goes, do you play? And I said, not really, Mr. Palmer. I've never been that interested in it. And he said, well, you should. You should, you should learn how to play. You'll really enjoy it. The reason I mention that is I never thought in a million years that 
uh, Kevin Newberry, a former colleague at the Houston Post, and I would start a golf magazine. And how is that possible that it lasts? It's lasted. Uh, we're doing our twelfth year. How how is that possible? For because of Arnold's influence in the late fifties, and then you get Tiger Woods in there, and you get Mickelson, and you build up the sport to where it never was before, and it's even made it possible for somebody like me to make a living doing a golf magazine. So the tentacles from Arnold Palmer have spread far and wide in in a in a worldwide impact, not just not just in golf, but his persona and everything he touched to try to help people in any way he could is his legacy. Well, I never got a chance to see him in his prime, but you know, Arnold Palmer, the name, he he is golf and he is golf to so many people. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk about him, Kenny. Robert, always a pleasure to join you. For more interviews, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, or if you're an Android user, download our free Houston Sports Talk app in the Google Play Store. We're also available on Stitcher or the TuneIn app, and our website is HoustonSportsTalk.net.